The word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 11, the first two verses. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, if you're standing, sit down. If you're standing st- or sitting, sit- no, 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 just, they're sitting, aren't they? Yeah, as you were. That's right. Thank you. Uh, the joys of being a visually impaired person. Anyway, so I had you think of before who your hero was. All right, boys and girls, um, when I'm going to show you these pictures, and I want you to tell me who they are as soon as you recognize them, okay? Here we go. Ready? Superman. Okay, now the kids of you over 50, who is that? Superman, that's right. All right, next one. Thor, new movie out, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it. She's kind of retro, right? I mean, as, as many of those are. I can remember the show Wonder Woman way back. Yeah, Wolverine. I don't think it has anything to do with the school, but it is a cool name, but. All right, superheroes are kind of fun. They are people that, or characters that we can um, celebrate and and kind of can uh, be excited about because they've got superpowers and they can do things to save people, to help people, to, uh, in some cases, fight against evil and the bad guys. And if somebody's in trouble, they can come and, and rescue and help. That's awesome to have a hero who is a superhero. But you probably know that you can have a hero who doesn't have to be a superhero. And when I ask um, you folks to think about who's your hero, I heard any number of people say, you know, it was my dad or my mom or my grandpa or someone else. You see, you don't have to have superpowers or be able to do miracles in order to be a hero. Simple definition of a hero is simply this, a person who is admired or idealized because of their I had my sheet in front of me, I'd be very good at this. So, um, because of their, go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) That's not that hard. So, if you've ever been sick, in a lot of pain, and somebody comes to help get you better, such a person could be a hero to you. If something that uh, a building that you love or if you happen to be trapped inside a burning building, such individuals could be heroes for you. If you've got a huge project, if a new road needs to be built or or a new structure needs to be erected to improve society, maybe somebody who's a heavy machine operator could be your hero. Or maybe if you're in trouble. And you just know you need somebody that hopefully can help you out. Maybe that 
a police officer might be a hero. You see, we can have heroes of people that we admire because of what they do or of how they live or what they mean to us. Now, the reason I'm having us consider heroes today is because Hebrews chapter 11, as uh, Mrs. Mueller read before, is sometimes referred to the heroes of faith chapter. The word faith is used even in just the verses that we read. And by the way, we read the first 16 verses. It goes on from there. Um, I'd invite you at some point uh, later this week, today, whenever, to read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 to get the full listing, at least what is included there. But the word faith is used like uh, nearly a dozen times in just those few verses that we read. And what is faith again? I'm going to have us read this together. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So a hero of faith is somebody that we might admire or even idealize because they believe in something that they may not be able to see. Isn't that kind of interesting? To admire somebody for believing in something or someone who they can't see. Are you a hero of faith? Don't answer that question. So how do you know if somebody's a hero of faith? I mean, if faith is a belief, we can't really see inside a person's heart or in their mind to know how much they believe, how strong their faith is. In fact, God makes it clear he's the only one who can see into the heart. He's the one who can see and discern what somebody truly thinks and believes and feels. However, we are told that the faith that God gives to people as Christians results in action. And that is something we can observe. And so when we hear the heroes of faith chapter, you'll notice that each of the people mentioned is mentioned because of something that they did as a result of their faith. So the first one that we came across was a man by the name of Abel. His story's there in Genesis. But we're told that because of his faith, he did something. He gave an offering to the Lord. That's right. It was his faith that moved him to give to the Lord. Enoch was the next one. His faith caused him to walk with God. And we're told that he pleased God. That was through how he chose to live, how he treated other people and where his priorities were. He pleased God. Noah is one that we're certainly familiar with. And boys and girls, what did Noah build? Yeah, he is the one who constructed an ark. You know, it was his faith that moved him to do that because 
He believed that God's promise of the fact that there would be at the same time destruction and deliverance, he believed that to be true. And so his life reflected that. He built this huge, massive ship in the middle of nowhere, presumably far from water. But it was his faith that moved him to do that. The same is true for Abraham, and he's the one who gets the most focus, and and we read part of his account in Genesis as well. So Abraham was living in a certain place, comfortable, presumably, with his family, and God said, I got a job for you. I want you to do something. And what are we told? Abraham obeyed. His faith caused him to obey. And his obedience meant that when God said, I want you to go, he went. And his faith moved him that once he went to this, quote, strange land, that he lived there. But he didn't make it his permanent dwelling. Because God promised that one day it would be his family's possession. One small problem, though, from Abraham's perspective He didn't have a family of his own. He and his wife weren't able to have any children. And they were getting old and older and even older still. And yet God said, I'm going to give you a family. And Abram's like, but I have no children. And God said, trust me. And we're told that Abraham believed God, and Sarah, his wife, believed God, and they were able to have a child. You see, faith moves a person to action, and we can see the action, and that gives glory and honor to God, and it is in keeping and pleasing to him. So now I'm going to ask you again, are you a hero of faith. In other words, has your faith in Jesus caused you to live in such a way that others would take notice, that somebody would say, whoa, that's different. You're living differently because you believe promises of God, even if you can't see them, that they're true. Even if they haven't come true yet, you live differently. You see, these folks in the scriptures lived by their faith. Just one problem, though. I would imagine that all of us can point to some time or other in our life where we can say this was, by God's grace, faith that prompted me to do this or that. We can perhaps have others even say to us, wow, that was amazing how you helped that person or what you did with your life here or how you chose to um, have this attitude here. And we can say that's because of my faith in Jesus. And so we can thank God for that. But, well, let's go to physics. Boys and girls, how many of you have been taught physics? I didn't think so. Usually it's not till, you know, high school when you take physics. Well, there was this really smart guy by the name of Sir Isaac Newton, okay? He did not invent the fig Newton as far as we know. 
He is the one that supposedly the apple fell on his head, though, okay? So he had these different laws, and his third law of motion, this is pretty impressive, isn't it? This is physics class. His third law of motion says that for every action or force in nature, I bet, I bet you can finish it, Mike. Somebody finish that. For every action in nature, there is an equal and... Man, physics teachers out there, you've got to be smiling. I mean, that is amazing that you can remember that stuff. So, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I'd like to change that a little bit. Well, actually, I'm going to add a corollary. And it's going to be called, uh, from here forth, the uh, Kaiser's spiritual application of no Newton's third law of motion applied to our lives because of our sinful nature. How's that? Catchy title, huh? And it says this. For every action that you and I, by God's grace, have been able to take by faith and please Him and serve Him and love others because of our sinful nature, there is at least one other, if not many more, opposite reactions that we are responsible for that do not please God or serve our fellow human beings. And that was true even for these folks in the Old Testament. Granted, we're not told the full story of Abel and Enoch. We're not told the full story of Noah and Abram either. But we are told enough. And in fact, we know that they were also sinners. They disobeyed God. They did not allow God's promises to transform their lives at all times and in all places so that everything that they did was focused and resulted from faith. They failed miserably. Just review the book of Genesis and you'll see. So how is it then that they get listed as being these great heroes of faith? Aren't they nothing but a bunch of hypocrites? And the answer is, yeah, just like you and me. If it were only based on action and reaction. But thanks be to God. That is not how he judges us. When Abram was talking with God in Genesis chapter 15, that record there, and God said, you're going to have a child and your own family member is going to be the beginning of your inheritance. And, and as many as the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. And guess what? We're told this, that Abram believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what makes Abraham a hero of faith. Because he believed ultimately the promise that is above all all promises that because of his great love for us that God would send the Messiah 
to redeem his people. Abraham had no idea, so to speak, how that would happen, when that would be, who that would be, what his name would be, what his circumstances would be, how that was all going to play out. All he had was God's word that said, this is going to happen. And he believed. And he received forgiveness for all of his sins and his misdeeds were wiped out, forgiven through the eventual sacrifice of Jesus. You see, we know his name. We know what happened. We live on this side of the cross and the empty tomb. And so we have the blessing of knowing that that promise has been fulfilled. And that when the Lord says to you and me, I know your sins. There's nothing you can hide. I know the times that you've reacted according to your sinful nature. But Jesus loves you. He died for you. He welcomes you. And now, because you believe his promise, you are a hero of faith. Now, many of you might say, yeah, but I'm never going to get remembered in some book or somebody's memory. And maybe that's true. In fact, many times we might say, I struggle just to make it through the day. I struggle with the monotony of everyday life. It seems like everything's the same old, same old. There's drudgery, there's monotony, there's tediousness, and, and things happen that we can make no sense of. Our, our friends, the Duvernois, with no exception. How does that fit? How does that make sense for us I don't know. I don't know. But God has promised that as we trust his word, he will be at work. Many of you would probably recognize that picture. It's been turned into a huge monument in Washington, D.C. It's the Marine Corps monument memorial from the Battle of Iwo Jima, which was a small volcanic island uh, on, the, on the way to Japan at, towards the end of World War II, one of the bloodiest, most brutal battles that, that was fought. And, um, and it was just uh, those who are students of history know many of those details. But this picture was snapped on the top of Mount Suribachi, which was the volcano at the one end of the island, before the entire island had been, had been subdued and taken over, just a couple days into the fighting, they had uh, taken over the, the volcanic mountain. And so these six Marines, there are six there, they were ordered by their commanding officer to find a pole and erect a flag. And so they did. And it just so happened, this actually is a, is a second flag that was raised, but that's all part of the story if you ever get into it. But as they were putting up this flag, a, a journalist, a photographer, just happened to, to look back and snap a picture one four hundredth of a second at just the right time such that this photo just captured the imagination of everybody who saw it from the moment that it first was developed 
and sent back to the states and the news organizations and the press, and it began circulating. And pretty soon, in the midst of a long, dreary, uh, drawn-out war in the Pacific specifically, this picture and those Marines became heroes because it symbolized the country being able to, to win in the face of terrible odds and the loss of life. And so, although three of these boys would give their life within a couple days of this picture, once this picture caught on in the United States, the other three were recalled from the Pacific Theater. They were brought back to the United States and those powers that be used them as heroes to now take their message. They went from city to city to city to city on a tour to raise funds for the war effort, bond drives. And so they would go and people came and, and as a result of this image and hearing these people speak and so forth, patriotic fervor was raised and people wanted to give and so forth to the cause of the war. They said it was just an amazing chapter in people's history of our country. However, one of the gentlemen who survived and went through this, after he died later in life, his son, first became aware of this whole situation. He knew something about it, but his dad never talked about it. His dad never said anything. And as he dug and investigated, he, he wrote this book and tells the whole story of all that, but he said his father never, ever saw himself as a hero. He understood what was happening at the time to be used as a hero, but he never saw himself as a hero because he felt all he was doing was his everyday task as a Marine. And it just so happened that somebody took a picture. He said the real heroes were everybody who served in that campaign, and especially those that died, giving their life for their country. The reason I share that is because so often we can seem like our lives are insignificant and, and we're not going to make the headlines and the papers and so forth. And, and that may be true. But ultimately, that's for the Lord to worry about. If he chooses to use you in a spectacular way that somehow gets heralded someplace, God bless you. But that's not why we live by faith. We live by faith because we know that God's promises are true and we can trust them. We are heroes of faith regardless of how many people notice because our Savior loves us and will give us the grace to live each day to do our part to live our life in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the grace of God and the peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus keep you in true faith. Amen.